In our last segment, we looked at Romans chapter 1 and the intimate connection between sin and worship, that a refusal to honor God as God or give thanks, a refusal to worship, results in a corrupted heart and a corrupted mind, which then further results in a, a false sense of the self, a mistaken sense of the self. Um, it results in corrupted behavior and, and, and so on and so on, this whole cascading consequences that stem from and begin with this refusal to worship. Now it's interesting as you work your way through Romans, when Paul finally, I haven't started there, where Paul finally gets around to what he wants actually to happen on the ground in Romans, or in Rome as a result of hearing this letter read to them, here's where he starts. Romans chapter 12, we've got this great turn. Therefore, on the basis of all this stuff I've argued up to this point in the letter, Paul's going to now give them exhortations. This is what I want to happen as a result of all this stuff I've talked about. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, now listen to this, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. That's the language of worship. If sin problems started way back with Adam Eve with a, a refusal to worship, Paul's now advocating in Romans that if we're going to fix the problem that started there, it's going to have to start with worship. So, again, listen to the language here. Offer your bodies, present your bodies, a living sacrifice, okay, which is your reasonable or your spiritual service of worship. The first thing Paul advocates for the people in Rome is to worship. Now, in chapter 1, we saw this progression from uh, refusal to worship to corrupted heart and mind to a false understanding of the self and so on. Look at what Paul does here in chapter 12 of Romans. The next verse, and we're familiar with these, they're part of most any Bible pro memory program any of us have been a part of. But do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? When God has to go about fixing the problem of sin, it's got to get to the core. It begins with worship. It continues then with a repairing work of the Holy Spirit to the heart and to the mind. It's beginning to see things for what they are, to regain this ability to assess and evaluate and make decisions, discern the world around us and our place in it and what God is doing and what's appropriate for God's people and for us as followers of Jesus in these particular places. Now, if we take, the, again, the progression from chapter 1, refusal to worship, corrupted heart and mind, a false sense of the self, look at what Paul talks about in chapter, or in chapter 12, verse 3 then. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. I really think what Paul's doing here at chapter 12 is tracing the progression he started with in chapter 1 and just taking it the other direction. Chapter 1, the refusal to worship, the corrupt heart and mind, the false sense of self. Chapter 12, a call to worship, a renewal of the mind, and then a proper estimation of the self. That what Paul outlines in Romans are progressions that go two different directions, but they start in the critical question, the place that the watershed here is the issue of worship and the decision to worship. And that will shape everything else in life. 
Let me give an illustration of this and the, and the, the way I think it works. I had a friend uh, years ago named Bill who at one time had been in student ministry, uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota, and one of the things they did with students, this was university students, was during the summer in June and July, they would take them backpacking up in the Boundary Waters and so on up in northern Minnesota. And one of the, one of the treks they normally took students on involved on about day four, um, coming out into this valley. And this, you'd walk through this pass and this long valley would be laid out before you. And there was this lake that ran down to the left and on the right there was this hill, a high promontory. And the idea was that you would hike over to this viewpoint on this hill where you could look down this valley, look off towards the west, and then you would hike if you came off that, that rock and got down and went directly due west, it would bring you up in this wilderness area to a campsite on the edge of this lake and you could catch fish and cook supper and that was the normal plan of what they did. Now this one particular year the group was moving a bit slow. Somebody had dropped something and had to go back and get it and they waited for them and they had people with blisters and they were moving slow and so on. So Bill brought this group up the edge of the valley and they thought, man, time's really running fast and if the sun goes down out here in the wilderness, we're in trouble. So one group hurried off to go down and find the campsite directly and Bill took the group up to the viewpoint. Got them up there and said quickly, let's go, let's go. We gotta hurry up, we gotta get down to that campsite. There goes the sun, we gotta go due west. Let's just orient ourselves to the sun and off we go. And they set off down into the forest, being able to keep track because of the sun where they're headed. But Bill knew things from his map. There was supposed to be a stream on one place and a hill on another and none of this stuff that he knew from his map was supposed to be there. They kept going, they kept going, and it still didn't make sense what they were seeing from what Bill expected from the map. And then Bill realized, Bill realized he'd never consulted the compass. And in late June, the sun doesn't set directly west. So they were actually headed a good bit north of due west and didn't know it. Now he says, we got out of this, obviously, I'm here, and we found our way to the campsite and so on and so on before it got dark and, and we got lost. But the point is, because they didn't have the, corp the compass oriented correctly, they thought they were at one place and they weren't, and they didn't even know it. Like the people in Romans 1, they were deceived. Now obviously the, the metaphor here works of having a life compass. That unless the worship's oriented right and your life's pointed in the right direction and oriented in the right direction around God, nothing else is going to function the way it should. We won't see things for what they are. We won't be able to navigate our way through the world God has placed us in unless we begin with the issue of worship. We've got to get the life, the life compass oriented correctly in order to take the next step, in order to have the renewed heart and the mind to see ourselves, to see others, to see the place that God has placed us through God's eyes, to have our life oriented correctly. It begins and it ends really with the critical decision about worship.